1: What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. I'm Andrew Ivins, your host, joined as always by my man, David Lake. Got a guest this week. You know, we got bye week, no game this weekend for the Hurricanes. So I decided to reach out to Josh Edwards, a uh, NFL draft analyst for CBS Sports. Josh has worked in the 24-7 Sports Network. Um, I think you, Josh. What do you do? A, a mock draft, basically a week, but you gotta have your pulse on um, the top seniors and juniors and draft eligible sophomores. So, Josh, how you doing, man? Doing pretty well. I think I offer a unique a, a unique
2: perspective because I cover recruiting, so I've got a, a pulse on the high school scene, and then you know they they work their way to college, and I cover Kentucky football as well. So. Um, get to see a lot of the SEC on a weekly basis as well as football across the country and then into the NFL. so I feel like i've I've got a very wide range of perspective from high school to the professional level and it's uh, it's exciting the fact that we actually have football this time of year. I mean you mentioned inside this inside the smoke or uh, would you what's the name of the podcast
1: through the smoke Th- through the, the smoke.
2: smoke, through the smoke so, um it's it's good that we have a chance to see teams run through the smoke on a weekly basis because for a while it looked like it wasn't going to be possible right so did i get
1: that right what is what exactly is your title with cbs sports
2: i don't know that i ever had an official title it's pretty much (laughs) just nfl draft analyst and then i cover a lot of uh day-to-day nfl news as well so a little bit of everything but but the uh the nfl draft is my primary focus
0: so, yeah, I guess what in your latest mock draft, Josh, you had Greg Rousseau going in the top 10. Um, I guess let's just start with him, right? He's not playing for Miami this year, obviously, with him opting out. But, you know, in your mind, is he maybe the, the top, quote unquote, edge guy in this year's draft? What do you feel like maybe is his ceiling in terms of how high he can go? And maybe what do you think is his floor?
2: Well, I think opting out made it a much more difficult evaluation because there was a lot more that I needed to see from him personally, and I think a lot of evaluators need needed to see more personally. Um, you know, he's he's very raw. He's he played wide receiver until his senior year of high school, so he's only got a couple of years of the position. Um, very long, very fast, but there was there's there's something lacking with his technique. You don't see the kind of polished hand usage. Um, that you see from Quincy Roche, for example, I think he's, um, Quincy Roche is, is one of my favorite prospects in this class because he is so polished. And, you know, when you're looking at the 2021 NFL draft, we've only got a handful of guys that are like elite prospects and then everything else is very much up in the air. So, um, Russo is one of those guys that has the ceiling to climb into that elite threshold. But I'm not sure that we're going to get to see what we need to see for him to join that conversation. So um, for me, I think his ceiling would be top five if we saw, you know, the type of polish that we had hoped to see this year. Um, but then again, I think there's a huge risk with not being able to see that. So I could see him possibly being a second a, – a, a day two choice um, as an edge rusher. So it's a, it's a very wide range. It's obviously a unique year in the sense that – we haven't seen anything like this, so we're all trying to adapt. Um, it'll be interesting to see if scouts are able to kind of get out to where he's training um, and get a visual of, of how he's progressed. You know, I'm assuming he's going to be with, you know, a defensive line coach that's going to be able to train and work with him on his hands and and stuff like that, which is what really everybody wants to
1: see. Josh, you were one of the, I mean, I don't even want to say you are one of the first people, but I remember me and you were exchanging messages kind of in the days leading up to when Greg Russo opted out. And I always remember you were kind of like, oh, yeah, he's like definitely going to opt out. Um, like, not like you saw this coming or, or reporting it, but it seems like you had a feeling that he was a guy who, I don't know, just didn't have to play in, in 2020. Is, is that correct? Uh,
2: it was more so – just the kind of buzz that I had been hearing that that he was probably going to opt out because when you look at his 15 and a half sacks this past season, I mean, it was obviously very impressive, but uh, the way that a lot of those 15 and a half sacks were coming, you know, he's up at zero tech against the center. You know, he's, he's going to be the much quicker guy in that kind of a situation. And he was just beating the center off the ball and getting in the backfield so quickly. So he was racking up some, some stacks in that, in that fashion. And um, you know, there was just a lot more to see. So I think really I was trying to get a sense of whether or not you had heard if he was going to come back or not, but the buzz that I had heard up to that point is he was probably leaning towards, uh, not returning. And then I think a day later after we had that conversation is when he actually announced. So, uh, it was kind of interesting how that all played out, but yeah, I mean, I, I would have loved to see a little bit more from him this year.
0: With, with Quincy Roche, um, you know, you mentioned you like his technique, how polished he is. Do you, I, I understand I'm putting you on the spot, but do you have a, a comp for him? Because uh, to me, he, he's an interesting player because he is a little undersized. Uh, but, but like you said, he is a guy that does bring impressive technique and pass rushing ability to the table. Does he remind you of anyone maybe in the NFL or, or in past college years?
2: Yeah, I haven't thought too much about it, but off the top of my head, maybe maybe like an Everson Griffin, um, you know, a guy that's he's really strong, uh, he knows how to play the position, but you know, at the same time, he's got some athletic limitations. Um, for example, like we primarily see Quincy standing up, but we don't see him in coverage much, so that's going to limit the type of teams that are going to be interested in him if he doesn't show more of that coverage ability. So, you know, he's He's going to have to be a 4-3 down defensive end unless he shows that he's capable of dropping back a little bit um, and fulfilling more of a coverage role, in which case then he would become more likely as an option for, you know, 3-4 outside linebacker as well. So um, for me, there's some athletic limitations, but I think Everson Griffin is, is probably a good fit right now um, for those reasons. You know, he, he's got some athletic limitations, but at the same time, he's very strong and he's polished at the position. I mean, I've been very impressed. That's why he's been consistently in the first round for me since we started doing our mock drafts.
1: Yeah, I think you guys have him like ranked. uh, Where's the prospect ranking? I, I wrote it down somewhere. Like you guys have him at 31 overall, and I think in your most recent mock draft, he went 31 overall to the Jets. So, I mean, you think he's like a tail end day one type guy?
2: I think he's – as of now, I think he's pretty firmly entrenched in that first-round conversation simply because once you get past the handful of guys like uh, Panay Sewell, the offensive tackle at Oregon, uh, Micah Parsons, the linebacker at Penn State, um, you know, Jamar Chase at LSU, like there's some guys that are certified elite athletes in this class. But once you kind of get beyond those guys, it's, it's kind of – it's anybody's guess what's going to happen. That's why this was such an important year. And I think Roche has already shown his ceiling. He's shown what he's capable of doing on a down in and down out basis. So when you're an NFL team trying to figure out what you're comfortable selecting in the first round, you're going to, you're going to take a more proven commodity, a guy that you know what he's going to be as opposed to, you know, maybe a project where you have a little bit more of a concern Um, so for me, that's why I lean, lean towards the first round for him right now, but we've got, you know, two months left for this to play out. So things could change quite a bit, but for me, I mean, everything that I see from him, he's, he's a first round kind of guy.
0: Josh, with the, with the NCAA granting a free year of eligibility for everyone at the college level this year, you know, obviously kind of just a free year to, to play. Do you think that will change anything in terms of guys returning to school or or guys going to the draft next is it going to impact anything in your opinion or or do you think it's going to be kind of just another regular year in terms of guys leaving early for the draft or maybe even if seniors decide to come back for one more year that that they wouldn't necessarily have had to try and improve their stock even more
2: yeah, I think it'll vary by the situation. Some of these guys, you know, because it was an unorthodox uh, offseason, they may have not been able to train the way that they expected to be able to train this year, um, which means they may not have the type of season that they expected to have, which is ultimately going to impact their draft stock. I do think as we kind of remove ourselves from this a little bit, as we get a little bit closer um, to the deadline that they would have to de- to declare, Um, I think a lot of these guys are probably going to be more comfortable with leaving early for the draft as as they would in a, in a, in a normal calendar year Um, simply because, you know, in the moment we kind of look at everything and say, you know, this is, this is like nothing that we've ever seen before. Like things are completely different and, you know, we've got to do everything differently. And then when the time comes, it's a little bit more normal. It feels like, you know, we just went through a full season. I was able to train. I was able to show what I can do. I'm going to be able to train and show what I can do leading up to the draft. So I think it's going to be a little bit more normal once we actually get around the deadline, as opposed to now where it's like, nothing feels normal. Um, You know, we're, we're a very, very much a microwave society. So I think as we remove ourselves a little bit and get closer to the deadline, I think it's going to be more of a, a normal kind of calendar year.
1: One guy for Miami that we all think will kind of have to weigh out his options. Um, and again, like you said, who, who knows where things will stand two months from now, but it's quarterback Derek King. Um, the graduate transfer out of Houston, sat out pretty much all of 2018 only, or excuse me, of 2019, only played in four games after really an electric 2018 season. And um, he has Miami 3-0 and right now. Playing really good football, uh, has his name in the in the Heisman Trophy conversation. Um, I guess Josh, number one, do you think he has a chance to be a quarterback in the NFL? Because I know some circles, uh, guys like the the Senior Bowl executive director, like they've kind of tossed out the idea that maybe, hey, Eric's a wide receiver at the ne- at the next level just because he's so a- accurate or so athletic, excuse me. So I guess what is your just kind of assessment of D'Erik King and what do you think about him as an as a NFL draft prospect?
2: Well, first and foremost, I mean, it's – what I've seen from from D'Erik King and Rhett Lashley in this offense this year is it's kind of like what we saw from LSU last year in terms of the growth that we saw. I mean, this is one of the most explosive offenses in college football right now. It's incredibly fun to watch. Uh, you know, whether he's got Brevin Jordan, you know, we're not, this is a draft podcast. so We're not really going to talk about Jalen Knighton and John, and Don Chaney, but I mean, those guys are going to be stars down the road too. So they've got so many weapons on that side of the ball and that's ultimately going to help Derek King, but there's a lot left to learn in the evaluation for him as well because of what you said, you know, he played four games last year and one of those was against Prairie Valley. So uh, there's a lot left to be, known about deer king what i will say he has he has shown a stronger arm this year um his throwing mechanics look a little more uh intact less wonky as it kind of looked last year um you know it kind of looked like he was shot putting the ball at times last year whereas this year he's really driving the ball downfield which um is impressive his downfield accuracy is still pretty spotty that's going to need to improve but I think when you look at what has happened in the NFL recently, whether it's Kyler Murray or Baker Mayfield or Lamar Jackson, like we've seen some of these, these guys have success, whether they're shorter in stature or whether they're of the more mobile variety. Um, So I think you have to be open to giving him that opportunity. If it's, if it's what he wants to do at the same time, I do think it's probably a little unlikely that he sticks at, at quarterback. Um, he's listed at five eleven but i don't think he's going to measure five eleven i don't I'm not even sure it's going to be close <laughs> um,
0: no he's like like honestly, I feel like he's five nine like i was
2: i had heard like five eight and a half somewhere in
0: there. yeah yeah like i'm not a tall guy he's pretty much on my eye level like we're pretty much the same height he's yeah. definitely thick though like he is i think he's listed at two oh five ish and to me, he feels like he is, he is that build 205, but yes, he is not, he's not eleven. Um, so yeah, that's definitely gonna hurt him. Is you know, it's way early again. And I think a lot of it too is just the excitement of the early college football season, but you see comparison, like Kirk Herbstreet throughout, he reminds me of college level Russell Wilson right like he doesn't he's not saying he's russell wilson in recent years who is a ridiculous quarterback for the seattle seahawks he said he can see some similarities between them uh at wisconsin and miami even that though to me is is extremely high praise and again i know d eric is he's gonna be a tough guy to put a comp on but is there anyone you would put a comp on with him that you think is fair? Oh, that's tough. Um, it is tough. I know. I <laughs> I know. I can't get a good feel for him either. Like, I can see the Russell Wilson-ish stuff. It's yeah. just we know what he is now, and yeah. it's, it's hard to really go with that, well, in my opinion.
1: Let me interject here, because this is something that I was thinking on my own. Um, I, I guess, Josh, do you think someone could take him – Kind of like how the Eagles took uh, Jalen Hurts. And, I mean, I know we haven't seen much of it, but I think there was the idea that they were going to use him in certain packages and kind of groom him along. Like, do you think Derek King would be that appealing just because he is also a guy that has caught, what is it, 30 career passes, David? I mean, he's returned a kickoff for a touchdown. It seems like he's just a good overall football player. So would that help his – potential draft draft stock
2: yeah and I think you have a similar conversation with with Bubba Bolden I mean you know whether it's safety or linebacker or whichever it is like you know a football player when you see him um you know there are guys that are going to have a spot on the field regardless of whether or not you're able to pencil them in at one position um you know, the NFL is not really a developmental league, so you kind of have to be ready to play once you get out there. And King has – again, I don't want to – you know, it's not like a cookie-cutter comparison, but the way that he moves is similar to Kyler Murray. You know, he doesn't have that same burst, but he's just so natural in the way that he moves around the football field. So there's going to be a place for him – um, there's a place for anybody if you get in the right offense. I mean, that's, that is so important as well. That's why Lamar Jackson has had as much su- success as he's had because he went to an organization that was going to be willing to design the offense around his strengths. Um, and I think that's what's going to ha- have to happen for De'Eric King if he's going to be successful at the quarterback position in the NFL. I do think there is a spot for him in the NFL because of his versatility. Um, Like I said, he's a natural runner. He's capable of throwing the ball. So, um, you know, maybe he eventually does move to wide receiver, and then you're talking like an Antoine randall L kind of thing where, you know, former quarterback, uh, he primarily lines up at wide receiver, but maybe you get him in motion, you know, hand him the ball in the backfield, and maybe you, you know, do a a flea flicker kind of thing down the field, um, double pass, you know, whatever you want to do. There's so many options when he's on the football field. And I think that's one thing that is going to appeal to a lot of teams because we're not seeing traditional offenses across the NFL now. You've got to be willing to adapt, and we're seeing so many of these, um, you know, motion style offenses. There's every team is using motion in some way on probably 30 percent more, 30 percent or more of their snaps. So um, if you've got a guy that's going to be able to draw defenses the way that Deer King will, regardless of where he lines up. I think you have to make room for, for a guy like that on the roster. I'm just not sure he's going to be exclusively a quarterback.
0: Let me ask you one last Eric thing. Yeah. You you know, you've mentioned that you feel like he has developed, uh, you know, since the last time he played at Houston, right. In terms of arm strength and, and tightening up his motion, all that stuff. Do you think there is a case like, let's say Derek's goal is to play quarterback in the NFL is there a case to be made that, you know, he would benefit from another year at Miami in 2021? Or do you think he kind of will, he kind of is what he is being an older guy already, like how much more development is there to do uh, in college? And, and should he just jump to the NFL? Like to me, that's going to be, that's going to be the, from a Miami perspective, that's the debate, right? Yeah.
2: Yeah, I think what we've seen from him already is 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 impressive in the way that he's developed. So, I'm not sure that another year at Miami would not be a bad thing for him. Um, you know, I think there is a lot more room for growth. Uh, you know, the way that he sets his feet, the way that, you know, he moves in the pockets, stuff like that, I think that would help his down, downfield accuracy as well. So, and that's really the only concern I have with this game. We you know, we talk about his height, like that's a huge issue, but we continue to see the envelope pushed every single year with essentially a, a smaller quarterback playing the quarterback. Or, I mean, a smaller statured player playing the quarterback position. So eventually you're going to get to a threshold where, you know, a certain number is just too short, but until we get to that point, you have to be open to those opportunities, those um, those kind of players that maybe are going to take your offense to another level, regardless of how tall they are. Um, so if he's able to come back and show that, you know, he's cleaned up his footwork, his down accuracy is improved. I think that's the kind of guy that you can trust to run your NFL offense on a weekly basis. You talked about the college Russell Wilson comparisons earlier. Um, I would imagine a lot of those comparisons are coming because, of his poise, his leadership, those kind of qualities. Um, yeah. And if you've got a guy like that, you can win every single week in the NFL. You, if you have that kind of a quality where you're going to elevate the play of everybody around you, you're going to be successful in the NFL. Again, you know, maybe it doesn't end up being quarterback, but that's the kind of guy that you want on your team the guy that, you know, has situational awareness. He's going to, he's going to elevate his team or his, uh, his, his teammates, he's going to rally the troops when they need it. So there are qualities, again, that make him incredibly appealing to teams, but if he's able to improve his downfield accuracy, I think, then you're really starting to talk about a potential NFL quarterback.
1: Josh, a guy you brought up on your own, I'd even have to tee this one up for you, but Bubba Bolden, uh, the safety for Miami, uh, former Top 24 7 recruit, All American out of Las Vegas, Bishop Gorman. Started his career off at USC, kind of had some mishaps there, ended up at a junior college, then Miami, had to sit out a bunch of games last season uh, due to an NCAA rule. But uh, he's finally playing. And I think the past two weeks, he has been arguably probably the best player on the field uh, for Miami on the defensive side of the ball, which is in a way kind of crazy to say just what do you think of him as a prospect i know you said is he a linebacker is he a safety i kind of think the same thing uh but it's like i don't know i feel like guys like that are so valuable in the nfl right now just because it's a passing league
2: yeah no question and again you really don't need to earmark a player for a certain position anymore that's we're kind of at a point like we got to in basketball where it's a positionless sport um you know, this past draft was the perfect, perfect example. We see Jeremy Chin, Isaiah Simmons, a couple of guys that, you know, played safety but had kind of linebacker bodies go on to the NFL. And Jeremy Chin still kind of does a lot of different things for Carolina's defense. Simmons was penciled in at outside linebacker, which um, is primarily where he stayed. I mean, he, he doesn't do a lot of roaming in that defense, but what we see from Jeremy Chin is the guy that can drop back into safety. He can play in the box. He's going to play sideline to sideline. I think in an ideal world, that's kind of who Bubba Bolden is. Um, again, a guy that we've seen a lot of growth from this year against Florida state alone. You know, you talk about, um, it was, it was Al Blades Jr. That got the interception, but you see, you know, Bubba Bolden come across in coverage and deflect that pass to him, I mean, that created a turnover. And then he gets his own interception later in the game. Um, so you're seeing that playmaking ability. You're starting to see where it clicks on the field for him. You know, he's he's able to combine that freakish athleticism that we saw from him as a high school recruit. And you can see that he's starting to learn the game and feel really comfortable with the way that he plays. And that's translating to big plays on the field for for Miami's defense. Um so, you know, when you look at Jeremy Chin, you look at Isaiah Simmons, those kind of guys were in the same mold where, and Kyle Duggar, I'll throw him in there as well. Um, you know, safeties where you kind of question whether they were going to play safety or whether they were going to be a linebacker in the NFL. Those guys were kind of, you know, 220, 230 pound guys, which is, I think Bubba Bolton's listed as 6'3", 200, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. So he's, You know, he's considerably smaller than those guys. But at the end of the day, if that's not inhibiting your ability to make a tackle, teams are not going to care. You know, you're going to be able to finish through tackles and make the big plays that NFL teams want from you. And at the end of the day, he has that kind of athleticism. So uh, Miami in general is just – they've got to be one of the most interesting programs from an NFL draft evaluation perspective because – there are so many guys that you're still trying to figure out, you know, Bubba Bolden, D'Erik King, uh, Jalen Phillips, Gregory Russo. Like there's, there's so many guys that are in Coral Gables that, you know, we're still trying to get a handle on, but at the end of the day, they all have this athleticism that is incredibly appealing to these NFL teams.
0: One guy I think that falls in that category as trying to, you know, maybe the NFL guys are trying to figure out too now is, running back Cameron Harris. And I know, you know, running back is one of those positions where if you show that you can produce after three years and, and get drafted, you need to go. So Cameron Harris is a junior this year. Miami's had two juniors drafted the last two drafts, both to Seattle in Travis Homer, DJ Dallas. It looks like Cameron Harris is, is in store for a very productive year this year in this new offense. What are what are some of your impressions on him? Do you think he's he's a guy that has a chance to be drafted because you know you mentioned athletic guys? He's a guy that I think has improved his athleticism um, you know since last season. Even so, um, what what are some of your initial impressions on Cameron Harris?
2: Yeah, I think he's I think he's shown to be patient. Um, you know what's going to give him a chance to be successful in the NFL is the fact that he, he actually holds up pretty well in pass protection. And then he actually looks comfortable catching passes out of the backfield as well. So if you're able to to do those kind of things, you're going to have a place on an NFL roster. And if you, you can show that you can play special teams as well, then your case is that much stronger. Um, I question his vision at times. Um, we've seen a little bit more burst from him this season. So I've been impressed with what I've seen so far, and I think that he does have a spot in the NFL. It's just a matter of figuring out where his ceiling is at this point. And as the season progresses, I think we, you know, we start seeing some of that natural ability, some of that athleticism kind of start taking over, and maybe he cuts loose. And you know, we see the vision kind of click for him, and he's able to start hitting, hitting uh, you know, some holes, some cutbacks that maybe he hasn't seen to this point in the season. I think as a running back, you have to be willing to declare early and leave if your draft stock says that you are in a position to do so because the running back position just – they take so many hits. I mean, your body is on the line every single play. Um, and it's not like the offensive line typically. I mean, there are cut blocks, but typically guys are not going for your knees. They're not going around your ankles like – when you're a running back, you get that on a on a, on a down in and down out, down out basis. So you're a little bit more prone to injuries at the running back position. So I think you have to be open to the possibility of leaving early. And the fact that you have Don Chaney Jr. and Jalen Knighton in the backfield probably suggests that opportunities are not going to increase for you. It's going to become more difficult to get the kind of workload that maybe you want as a potential NFL draft prospect. So Because he's an upperclassman, he's probably getting the majority of the carries for that reason alone. Um, And then I think Chaney had a fumble this past week, so that probably didn't help his case. But, you know, he's getting those carries right now, and I'm not sure that those carries are going to be there a year or two down the road if he he elects to return. So I think if he has the opportunity to go, then he should take it. Um, But, again, I think the next two months will really kind of dictate – what his draft stock ends up being and whether that is actually a realistic possibility.
1: Uh, that's an interesting take. I didn't even really think about that. I mean, Chaney and Knighton are definitely going uh, uh, to keep pushing. Follow up to that real quick. I mean, Miami saw DJ Dallas leave last season. I think if you had told anyone prior to them playing games, that was a bit surprising. And then the year before that, it was Travis Homer. Uh, DJ went in the fourth. Travis Homer went in the, in the sixth. I mean, would you say, like, if you're just drafted, it, like, just do it? I mean, there's, it seems like there's rookie running backs, undrafted guys that have an impact in the league. So, uh, like, you don't have to be a day one, day two guys. I guess what I'm trying to point out at running back, correct?
2: Yeah, that's exactly right. And, it, again, the kind of traits that I was talking about earlier with his pass-catching ability, his pass protection, that's more rare than people realize to have – to be, you know, pretty well rounded in both of those areas, so I think that gives him a really strong chance to make it to the NFL. I mean, we're looking at Jacksonville now. Um, James Robinson was, you know, he's an undrafted. He's an undrafted running back. You look in Denver. Philip Lindsay was an undrafted running back. What those guys did so well was they held up in pass protection and they caught passes out of the backfield. Uh, you kind of learn the rest of the game as as you move forward. But if you have those two qualities, you're going to have a chance, and I think you see that with uh, with with Cameron Harris this year. Um, you know, DJ Dallas I think had a little bit of that as well. Um, you know, he wasn't quite as good of a pass protector as Cameron Harris has been, but I really liked his game as well. I think um, you know, with as many injuries as Seattle has had at the position over the years, that probably wasn't a terrible spot for him. Travis Homer a little bit smaller, but again, they have some of the similar qualities uh, that you look at in these other guys. So, um, you know, Miami has done a really good job of, of teaching their running backs to hold up and pass protection, um, using them out of the backfield to catch passes as well. So there are some similarities between the three of them, and I think when you do look at that, and I'm sure Cameron Harris will, and, you know, maybe an agent will get in his ear at some point as well and say, hey, look at these guys, look what they did. Um, to go on to the next level, that can be you as well. You can start earning money for your family now. Um, I think he's going to consider that. I think there's going to be a strong argument for him to leave. And, again, as a running back, you you have to consider it.
0: Revan Jordan, uh, you know, he, he's, I think he's kind of viewed, correct me if I'm wrong, as like a guy who's on the bubble, first, second round, somewhere there, kind of a new age, tight end, slot receiver type guy. Do you think he has it, and, and this new offense has really done a nice job of highlighting his strengths as a player, his yards after catch ability, um, you know, ability to get open too. do you feel like he has a chance to play his way into a first round pick, you know, by the end of this season, if things continue to go the way they've gone so far this year?
2: Yeah, I do, because I think he's a unique offensive piece. Um, Miami, more so last year, they they used him in a variety of ways. I mean, he he's not just – you know, everybody talks about his athleticism, so you assume that he's going to be a slot guy or maybe you even spread him out wide for most of, most of his reps. But they used him as an H-back. They used him in line. I mean, they put him everywhere that you could possibly put him. He was traditionally more so used near the line of scrimmage. And I think one point of – of curiosity that I have is whether he's going to be able to win downfield um, in some of those routes. Um, You know, if he's going to be the kind of guy that's going to go up and be physical at the catch points, that kind of stuff. I still want to see that from him as the season progresses. And unfortunately it doesn't really line up with Derek King's strengths at this point in time, but I do think because of his offensive skill set, his athleticism, he's going to be in a position where he could move up into that first round conversation. Um, Kyle Pitts is just a little different at Florida right now. I think he's, he's pretty well-rounded. He's physical, you know, he's going to go up, he's going to get the ball. Um, he's got that alpha kind of mentality where, you know, if it's a 50, 50 ball, it's actually a 90, 10 ball. He's going to come down with it most of the time. And then Pat Friermuth at, uh, Penn state is the other guy that kind of gets mentioned in that first round conversation. He's a guy that I think Brevin Jordan would potentially have the opportunity to, to pass up. Um, You know, obviously a lot of what happens is going to be dictated by what Penn state does on the field this year. Um, But that's an opportunity for, I think Brevin Jordan to move up. All three of those guys are, are sensational and I wouldn't be surprised if they all go in the first round, although I think it's more likely that one or two go in the second round, but Brevin Jordan, I don't think he gets enough credit for his blocking when he is attached to the line of scrimmage. Um, he actually uses pretty good leverage and and does well when he's attached. But uh, his issue is when he he starts getting out in space and has to lock on to a moving target. That's been a little bit more difficult for him. But as long as he's got his feet underneath of him and he's you know attached to an offensive lineman, he does a pretty good job of of blocking on the edge. So I've been impressed with him and I think he possesses all the all the qualities that you look for in a potential first round wide receiver. I mean uh tight
1: end. That's all right. He's like a wide receiver at Miami. It's pretty much. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Let me ask you too. You mentioned him, but Jalen Phillips, in my mind, there is similarities with Rousseau in terms of uh, being raw with technique. At least that's kind of what my eyes are telling me. Like I think through these first three games, we're seeing Jalen Phillips get by with his athleticism. I think he's got a really good motor too. Like he, he seems to play really hard play to play. Um, do you agree with that? Like, do you feel like that the hand techniques and all that, the, the, the pass rush moves uh, need to get cleaned up with Jalen and just overall, what, what are your thoughts on him as a prospect right now? Yeah, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think he's
2: got um, the biggest opportunity to move up because of the athleticism that he possesses uh, against Florida state, you know, Obviously, he didn't get to finish the game because of the unsportsman likes, but, you know, he he kind of – he's kind of hidden for most of the game. He does a good job of setting the edge. He had the one big stop in the backfield um, on an end around. And, you know, otherwise he just kind of fell back into the um, into the equation because he doesn't use his hands well enough to to win off the rush. Um, you know, we don't see the kind of counter moves that you would hope to see and, and Quincy Roche has shown. Uh, You know, Roche, he had an offensive tackle. The guy overset, he worked back inside and got to the quarterback. I think Nesta Silvera was the one that actually cleaned it up, but Roche was the one that forced it, and that's what you want to see from Jalen Phillips on the other side um, because he just kind of – you see the athleticism, but he's just kind of there. He's not putting it all together yet, so you still need to see the polish with his hand usage. Um, Again, he, like you said, he's got a great motor, which – actually surprised me um you know just when you consider transfers and stuff like that you're wondering why it didn't work out and for a lot of those guys it's it's often their motor um you know their passion for the game and I don't see that with Jalen Phillips I don't see any of those issues but then to see his interception where he had to react so quickly and he kind of tipped it to himself and then you know dove to make the interception like that's the kind of athletic play where evaluators are going to be like man like I need to see more of this. Like if I see more of this, he's going to be a first round kind of guy as an edge rusher, but you can't have those fleeting moments. It's got to be consistent if you want to maximize your NFL potential. So he's a guy that still has a lot of work to do. Um, And I kind of hope that some of Quincy Roche's technique is, is kind of bleeding off onto him. I hope he picks some of that up because if he does, he's got a much higher ceiling than Quincy Roche. Um, I think he's, He's an incredibly gifted player. If he's ever able to match his technique with his athleticism, he's going to be a really, really imposing player that's, that's uh, going to be difficult to block.
1: Well, uh, final one for me, Josh, uh, as we wrap this up, I think Greg Rousseau said on our podcast last month that he anticipates uh, ripping off a 4-6 at the NFL Combine. Uh, if he were to run that, what would your reaction be? I would be impressed, but then you know, with with each passing
2: year, you kind of the threshold, the the level of expectation continues to rise. Because what Makai Becton did last year, yeah. his size was like incredible, and then Henry Ruggs is, you know, running out of the running out of Lucas Oil Stadium um, with with uh, some fire behind him and you know tread marks on the on the turf and all that kind of stuff. But four six for a defensive end at his size, yeah, he's incredibly long, but he actually carries his weight pretty well. So for him to run a four or six at that size would be, would definitely be pretty, pretty remarkable. I mean, that's probably up there with one of the better defensive end <laughs> performances that we would have seen since probably miles Garrett, um, you know, someone like that. So uh, yeah, he's, there's no question from an athleticism standpoint that he has everything that you uh, desire at the position. So I'm, I'm not concerned about that whatsoever, but that would be pretty impressive.
0: Josh, before we let you go, let me shoot one more question at you. Uh, So Miami's off this week. Next week, they have a a game against Clemson, right? And we all know what Clemson is in terms of top program, one of the top programs with producing high-level NFL draft talent. Uh, You know, from an NFL draft perspective, you know, in terms of guys that are eligible this year, how far away, and if it is far away, feel free to say, But how far away do you feel like these two teams are in terms of having NFL draft type guys that will take the field against each other for that game? I,
2: it's probably closer than what I would have said a month ago. Um, and I've seen so much more from, from some younger guys at Miami than, you know, I would have expected at this point in the year too. So I think the gap is closing. With Clemson, their offensive line has been really good. Obviously, Trevor Lawrence is fantastic. So the biggest gap is probably going to be there. Um, mm-hmm. you know, between those the quarterback position, the the offensive line unit. That's that's still an area where Miami needs to get better um is the offensive line. Whereas Clemson, you've got Jackson Carmen, a potential first round pick at left tackle. Uh Matt Bachhorst at left guard is is a guy that I really like. I think. He's going to uh, elevate his stock quite a bit as the season progresses. He didn't start last year because they had so many other guys that eventually moved on to the NFL, but I think he's going to be a guy that makes a name for himself. So that's an area where it it probably swings heavily in Clemson's uh, favor for that one position group. Sure. Now the secondary, I mean Miami's secondary has probably the best collection of star power in the country. I mean, they've they've got four and five stars everywhere and they're making plays any given down. So, I mean, that's in the defensive line. I've been impressed with Miami's defensive line to this point. Nesta Silvera, obviously is as we mentioned, but Quincy Roche, Jalen Phillips, um the 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 new guy that I'm not really that familiar with yet, um
1: Harrison Hunt. Harrison Hunt. Yeah. Yes.
2: Ah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's flashed a little bit too. So, I'm actually impressed with what they've done along the defensive line. And then, you know, if you're able to rattle Trevor Lawrence a little bit, get him throwing off his back foot, that secondary is able to clean up. I mean, Bubba Bolden's really coming into his own and making some big plays on the back end. So it'll be interesting. I'm actually, I'm actually pretty excited for that one more so than I thought I would be about a month ago.
1: I love, I love you bringing up Gerard Harrison hunt, man. There is, there's footage of him in high school throwing down a dunk on, like, a breakaway, I think, like, a Rucker Park in New York. I think he's, 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 he will be someone that we're talking about. You'll be on the podcast a year from now. We're, we're asking about him because I think his upside is through the roof.
2: It feels like he's already getting kind of a legendary status. Like, he's, he's already building this uh, kind of mythological <laughs> feature for himself as, as the season progresses because even, you know, the, the announcers were talking about him pretty glowingly. Um, I, would, I would guess they got that from the coaching staff, but he's a guy that's uh, definitely not going to be hidden under any rocks. He's, he's uh, fully on the surface already.
1: Well, me and David have been pounding the table for him since uh, he arrived yeah. on campus. Um, Josh, tell everyone how they can find your work. Obviously, cbssports.com, but plug, plug the Twitter, man. Yeah, you can
2: find me on Twitter, at EdwardsCBS. Um, and again, CBSports.com will have you covered for all of your NFL draft needs.
1: All right, man. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Josh. Of course. Thanks for having me, guys.